0: Hi everybody. It's good for us to be able to be together in this way again. I trust that you've had a good week. I hope that during the course of this week you've also had opportunities to meet alone with God, perhaps using some of the devotions that we've been sending through during the week. And I'm grateful that you're taking this time to meet together with God's family as we gather around God's word. As we've been working our way through the book of 1 Peter, every now and again we've needed to take a break, and we've been working our way also through the Lord's Prayer. This week is one of those weeks where my pastoral responsibilities mean that I haven't been able to do as much work on 1 Peter than I need to. I really want to round off our discussion on husbands and wives well, which hopefully we'll be able to do next week. So we come again to Matthew chapter 6 and the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. So far we've had a look at the first part of the prayer and this week and whenever we take the next break we'll move into the second part of the prayer. Let's have a look at God's word, Matthew chapter 6 verses 9 to 13. Jesus says, "'This then is how you should pray.' This is God's Word. I think it was J.C. Ryle, one of the previous bishops of Liverpool, who said, If I want to know about the God you believe in, I will just listen to your prayers. That's a very profound thought. If I want to know about the God you believe in, I'll just listen to how and what you pray. Prayer is important. And what we pray is very important, which is why, while he was on earth, the Lord Jesus taught us how to pray and what to pray. So far in our studies through the Lord's Prayer, we've dealt with the part of the prayer that deals with our relationship to God, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we've said that if we start our prayer correctly by focusing on God and his kingdom and his will and his name, then the rest of our prayer is likely to fall into place too. And now today we move on to the part of the prayer that begins to address our need. Verse 11, the first request that we make of God for ourselves. Give us today our daily bread. As we look at this phrase this morning, I'd like us to look at it just a couple of words at a time, and there are four headings under which we can arrange these words. Firstly, there is the subject of this prayer. What is it that we are actually asking for? The answer is, of course, bread. But as I'm sure you'll recognise, this prayer for bread is slightly wider than just a request for food. There's a wider application of the word bread. The great Reformation pastor, Martin Luther, said that bread was a symbol for everything necessary for the preservation of this life, like food, a healthy body, good weather house, home, wife, children, good government, and peace. In praying for bread, we are asking God to meet our physical needs. It's interesting that some of the older commentators of the early centuries were quite uncomfortable with the idea that we should pray for bread, especially after the grand opening words of the prayer Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. They thought that it was quite a drop to suddenly have to pray about something as mundane as food. And so they interpreted the word bread figuratively and spiritually. They thought it referred to the bread of the word of God, the Bible, or else to the bread of the communion service. Uh, Jerome, who translated the Bible into Latin, translated this phrase as give us today our super substantial bread again referring to communion i'm very glad that that idea didn't really catch on it would have sort of spoiled the prayer for me give us today our super substantial bread but also it would lose sight of a very important point and that is that god is interested in the mundane god is interested in our physical needs There isn't an area of our lives about which God would say, don't bother me about that. God has given us physical bodies. Our bodies are important and they have needs. And God knows that. The Apostle Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God invites us to come and bring our physical needs to him. I think that the word bread is important for a second reason, too. Bread was the staple food of that time, the common basic foodstuff, as it still is for much of our world. I guess that if Jesus had been addressing the residents of China, he would have taught them to pray, Give us today our daily rice. Or if he'd been addressing certain parts of our own community, he would have said, give us today our daily maize meal, just the staple, common, basic foodstuff. Jesus didn't teach us to pray, give us today our daily cake. <laughs> he taught us to ask God for bread, our most basic need. To use a common wordplay, Jesus tells us to speak to God about our needs not our greeds. Jesus is teaching us simplicity and contentment. The Apostle Paul writes to the young man Timothy, and he says to him, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Not that we aren't allowed to tell God about our dreams and our longings and our desires, but sometimes when we remember the basics, it puts those dreams and those longings into the proper perspective. At one point, the writer of the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament prays this prayer, very wise words. He says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonour the name of my God. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread, just what we need for today. Health, protection, provision, strength, food, clothes, shelter. Give us our daily bread. Secondly, in this verse, not only do we need to consider the subject, but also the source. And the source is reflected in the words, give us. We're asking for something that we don't have, and that someone else needs to give us, and that someone is God. In other words, we come as those who are dependent on God. That's an important issue the issue of dependency. You see, the fact of the matter is that we often think that we are in control and that we are smart and that our own education and intelligence and connections and hard work have got us to where we are now. But that is an illusion as this worldwide pandemic has suddenly made us aware. In the book of Deuteronomy, the Israelites are about to enter the promised land. Up until this point, they've been nomadic wanderers, but now they're about to settle down in a land of their own. And Moses has this advice for them. He says, When you get into this land and enjoy vineyards you haven't planted and live in houses you haven't built, you may be tempted to forget about the Lord. You may say to yourself, My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. You see, everything that we have is actually a gift. Food? Gift. Clothes? Gift. Roof? Gift. That breath you just took? It's a gift. The psalmist writes, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in the New Testament. Speaking of God, he says, he himself gives all people life and breath and everything else. And when we pray, Lord, you give us the bread that we need, we're acknowledging that. To use the words of Jesus' half-brother, James, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. There are two groups of people who will pray this prayer, and they'll pray it slightly differently, but they'll be praying the same thing. There are some who will pray, Lord, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. And I ask you, please, to graciously provide for me. Lord, my business is going to fail and I need your help, please. Lord, I've lost my job and I don't know what happens next. Please help. In other words, there are some who don't have and who are asking to receive. But then there's a second group of people who would pray, Lord, thank you for everything that you've given me. You've been so good to me. Everything I need, you have graciously given to me. And I acknowledge that all that I am and everything that I have comes from you. Thank you for what you've given me and help me to use it wisely today. These people are no more spiritual or no more blessed or no more loved by God than the first group. But they are those who have and ask that they might continue to receive. And it doesn't matter if we pray this prayer because we don't have and we ask to receive or if we do have and we are asking that we might continue to receive. In either case, we're acknowledging that God is the giver. Lord, all that I am and everything that I have comes from you. Please give me today the bread that I need. One writer that I read recently was speaking about saying grace before meals and he said the sad thing is that saying grace can so easily degenerate into a spiritual way to say, let's eat. We need to make sure that we don't enjoy the gifts without acknowledging our gracious giver. Thirdly, we need to have a look at the schedule of this prayer. When do we want this bread? Well, today and daily. It's an interesting phrase, our daily bread. I think that J.B. Phillips has got to the heart of this phrase in his translation. He translates the phrase, Give us each day the bread we need for the day. You must remember that Jesus is speaking to people who were paid daily. There were no salary checks at the end of the month. Actually, in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, who weren't receiving any salary at all. For most people, at the end of the day, you were paid for that day's work, and so really you lived one day at a time. Now, our problem is that we live in a world of pantries and deep freezers and bank accounts and medical aids and insurance policies, Many of us don't need to pray, give me bread for today, because we've got enough stuff in the fridge to last a week, maybe two at a stretch. We don't need to pray, give me bread today. That's what we think, but it's not true. As we've just seen, everything that we have comes from God, and we need to remember that each day. This daily dependence on God for bread was something that the nation of Israel learned in the Old Testament during their desert wanderings. For forty years out in the desert they ate manna, the bread of angels, the psalmist called it. Let me read to you the description of what took place in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 13. In the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Each one is to gather as much as he needs. Take an omer, that's about 1.4 kilograms, for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little, and when they measured it, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Each one gathered as much as he needed. Then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as he needed. And when the sun grew hot, it melted away. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each person. And the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none." So, day by day, God provided bread for the Israelites. They couldn't stockpile manna for a month or two. They had to go out and get it day by day. The American preacher D.L. Moody applied this principle to spiritual matters, and he said this, A man can no more take a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough today to last him for the next six months nor can he inhale sufficient air into his lungs with one breath to sustain life for a week to come. We are permitted to draw upon God's store of grace from day to day as we need it. I think there's great advantage in living one day at a time. I think it's one of the secrets to living life well, not to try and live all of my life in one go, Not putting off until tomorrow things that should be done today. Loving my wife and children today. Spending time with God today. Avoiding certain habits just today. In fact, that's one of the prayers in the Alcoholics Anonymous program. Just for today, I will try to live through this day only, and not tackle my whole life problem at once. I can do something for 12 hours that would appall me if I had to keep it up for a lifetime. Just for today, living and enjoying one day at a time. Give us today our daily bread. And then finally, not only do we have the subjects and the source and the schedule, But fourthly, we need to have a look at the seekers in this prayer. Who are the seekers? Who is it that is praying this prayer? If you answer me, you've got it wrong. The seekers are us. Give us this day our daily bread. The prayer reminds us that we are part of a community and that we all need God's provision, and that sometimes the source of God's provision is us. I remember reading once where a writer said that when the economy goes down, the affluent are inconvenienced, but the poor are crushed. For some of us, the present crisis is simply an inconvenience, Our investments are not growing quite as quickly as we would like. It's more difficult to get to the shops. But for others, this crisis is absolutely crushing. And I wonder what our attitude is during this present crisis. It's a scary question to ask, but what are our hearts like? When we hear of people losing their jobs, when we hear of people's businesses having to close, what do we think and what do we feel and what do we do? In one of his books, Pastor John Ortberg writes, Do I have a heart like Jesus' heart? Do I care like God cares for people who are losing a home? Do I forget that the education I got and the opportunities that I received and the thousand other gifts that came my way were all gifts? I did not earn them. They are not mine. Do I think I made good choices, I made right decisions, I'm morally superior, therefore I don't have to be concerned? This crisis is a great opportunity for the Church to show compassion to others. What a great opportunity to demonstrate to the world the love of Christ. What a great opportunity to let people see that actually it's not material wealth that matters and that the Church doesn't mind giving up some of its material wealth to help people because that's not where our real treasure is. I'm grateful for things like our COVID-19 relief fund where people have put money into a bank account that can then be used to help others who are in need in this time. And maybe there are some other ideas too. I don't know exactly how to do this. I'm not an economist. I gave up accountancy in Standard 8 because my left column didn't know what my right column was doing and vice versa. But some of you may have some good ideas. Some of you may have some options and opportunities that we can use to help others and to practically demonstrate to the world the love of Christ. You know, there's one other reference to daily food in the Bible, which I think is important for us. Again, it comes from the letter written by Jesus's half-brother, James, and it's really important for one, for us, as we close. James writes, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is that? And so we pray, give us today our daily bread. And we can pray this prayer confidently. Remember that the Lord's Prayer was given during Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And just a few verses later, Jesus says this to us. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink is not life more important than food. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. May we pray together. Father, we thank you that you are a good and loving God, and that you invite us to come to you with our needs. And we do pray, Father, for folk within our congregation who are in desperate need, those who've lost their jobs, those who've lost their incomes, those who have lost their careers, those who've lost their businesses. And Father, we pray that they would know the truth of this verse, that day by day you would provide for them and demonstrate your love to them. And Father, we also pray for ourselves, that we would be both content and generous that you would help us as a church to practically demonstrate love to one another uh, through financial support and also that you'd help us to demonstrate to the world your love through the gifts and the abilities and the wealth that you've given to us as well we ask father that the, that the world really would see that our hope is not in our bank account not in our savings but that it's in you And so we can afford to be generous with the things that you've given to us. Father, we come and we commit ourselves into your hands for this week that lies ahead. We pray that day by day we would depend on you, that we would seek after you, and indeed that we would find you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.